Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. So Ephesians, we've been looking in the book of Ephesians for the past few weeks. We've been uh, examining this letter that Paul wrote to the New Testament church. And uh, I guess a church that obviously uh, that time, New Testament, uh, Christianity is brand new. Things are, things are brand new. And this city of Ephesus that uh, Paul was writing a letter to was like a trading hub in the Roman Empire. So it's a cosmopolitan city. They've got a, they've got a port. They've got all, all the Roman trimmings, you know, gymnasiums and theatres and all the cool things. So a very modern city, kind of like the modern world today. And uh, all the pressures of a modern Roman city, like a modern Roman, uh, a modern Roman, a modern world today, I guess. All the pressures of those things were upon this place. And Paul's writing to this, uh, the, the church in this place. And the first half of that letter, he wants to speak of the riches of Christ, I guess, the things that are to the credit of their spiritual bank account. And the second half of that letter, he speaks of what to do with those riches. We've had a look over the past few weeks, a few of the key thoughts we've had over the past few weeks. The first uh, things we saw was that the Father has chosen us as followers of Christ. Jesus has redeemed us and the Holy Spirit has sealed us. The Holy Spirit is a mark of our identity uh, as Christians. We saw that we have a calling, a big C calling, to follow Jesus and a little C calling of the things that he's called us to do. We spoke about grace as the source of our salvation. And last week we talked about the fact that we are shaped for service. God's got things in mind for us to do. And he's planned those before we were born. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? So well, I guess sometimes when I read some of Paul's letters, he wrote many letters to churches uh, in the New Testament times. Sometimes when I read them, I don't know about you, but... I find them pretty wordy. Sometimes they're quite complicated. They're not a simple story like sometimes we see in the Old Testament, you know, like we, we see a story of someone and what they did and the fantastic things they did, their faith, things like that. But when we see Paul writing sometimes, I find it kind of complicated, trying to get my head around what he's talking about. It's more concepts and things that we need to dig a bit deeper. We need to chew on them for a bit. And... Um, yeah, I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes they're a bit more of a challenge to get into. So we're going to have a bit of a look at uh, a bit more of that today. And uh, before we do that, let's just pray. We just thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. And we recognise this morning that it's not just a piece of literature, Father. This is a power to change our world. This is your word. It's a living document. And there's such diversity in there, such life in there, Lord God. Open our eyes to that this morning, we pray, as we look into it this morning. Thank you for your word, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So open your Bibles this morning, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. This is Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, 
without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who are near, through, for through him we have access to the Father by one Spirit. And it doesn't sort of, you, you can read and go, yeah, okay, good, got it. But what's Paul actually saying here? What's this passage saying to us today? Let's just have a quick look through some of that. Verse 11, Paul is saying, remember, remember to this church. Remember where you've come from. I guess back in those times, there was a clear differentiation. You've got Jews and you've got Gentiles. If you're a Jew, you've got this covenant of circumcision. God is, that These are God's chosen people. They consider themselves that cut above the rest, if you like. And then you've got everyone else. So the Jews, we're God's chosen people. We've got the promises of God. We've got all this Old Testament behind us. We've got this history, God's favoured people. And everyone else? To a Jew, a Gentile is considered unclean. If I relate to you, I'm ritually unclean, so I can't go into the temple and all those sorts of things. So Paul is calling the Ephesian church to remember where you have come from. Verse 13, but now. I don't know about you, but I like the but nows of the Bible. We have where we came from and now where we are. This is the good news. But now, by Jesus' sacrifice, by his shed blood, a way has been made, not just for the Jews, God's chosen people, but for everyone to come near to God. What was distant is now accessible. That's good news. And the results of this but now, number one is peace. We don't have this dividing wall anymore. The circumcised and the uncircumcised are all one. They're all now one in front of God. Great news. Now no hostility. Peace. Peace is something you can't put a price on, is it? Another result. Verse 15. Unity. All the same. We're now all the same. All mankind has his access to sal the salvation of God and communion with God through Jesus' death and resurrection. And the last result, verse 18, access to God by the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for that. As we said earlier in, uh, in this series, the Holy Spirit has sealed us. The Holy Spirit is that, is that mark of identity we have with God. The Holy Spirit living within us gives us access to God. That's kind of like the gospel in a nutshell, isn't it? Seven verses, we've kind of got, pretty much got the gospel, really, the good news about Jesus. We were far away. Jesus paid the price for our forgiveness. 
And through Jesus, we're now offered that peace and that unity and that access to God through the Holy Spirit. As I was reading this a few weeks ago, there's one more thought or one more word came to me and I started to dwell on. Do you want to know what that word is? Identity. Identity. And I couldn't stop thinking about this. Identity is, I guess, the characteristics that define us or make us recognisable from someone else, aren't they? You think about your identity. Our identity is something that we act out of too, isn't it? Who we think we are, who we believe we are, is something that we act out of. So it's key that we get that right, isn't it? It's key that it's, it's set on a firm foundation. And when I look around today, we're bombarded with a myriad of things, aren't we, that are trying to identify us, trying things that's trying to identify us with them. Um, I guess more so than any other time in, in the past. Um, some of those things are healthy things. Some of those things are good things. Things that are probably worthy of our, our time and our identity. And other things, when you check them out, <laughs> you find they're pretty empty, aren't they? They're really going nowhere. There's, there's, no, there's no substance to them. They're just fluff. And it seems to me that the world is either trying to steal, substitute or confuse our identity what our true identity is. So can I ask you today, what defines you? Have a think about that. What defines you? Where is your sense of belonging or your sense of identity invested in today? It's worth thinking about. I think for many of us, probably you'd say your occupation's your number one, isn't it? I guess uh, something that our self-worth and identity is tied up in, you know, our ability to produce income, to provide for a family, um, to look to our future, things like that. For others, it's our relationship. Relationship is key in our lives. That's the thing that defines us, is our relationships, the people we get along with. For others, it can be our music, it can be sport, it can be our education, it can be our hobbies, things that define us and identify us. So what's your identity pinned on today? And don't get me wrong, there's, there's plenty of good things out there for us to invest into um, to become part of our identity. Many things that are worthy of our time and are good to do. But I've found that looking at temporal things to define us can be perilous. At best, it can just be a distraction or a, or a waste of time. So if my identity is wrapped up in my job, I've found that that can actually be shaky ground. What happens when circumstances suddenly change? I'm sure many of you out there have probably come across that in your job. All of a sudden, your job's not what it used to be. Now, if all my identity is wrapped up in my job, <laughs> now I've got an identity crisis, haven't I? Now I'm in trouble. All, the th all that I've invested in that and believed in in that, if it's no longer there, or if it suddenly changes, I'm, I'm on shaky ground. Relationships, again, sometimes they can shift. 
They can change. People move on. People change. Sometimes those relationships even break down and they can leave us pretty devastated if that's what we've invested all of our identity in. The people around us. You get down to, well, if, even if all your self-worth wrapped up in your, your football team, you're going to be in trouble, aren't you? Especially for someone like you know, my, uh, my brother-in-law, Kev Smith, with the Bulldogs. You're really going to be in trouble. But what I'm saying is that the temporal things around us shouldn't be at the core of our identity. They shouldn't be the things that define us. I would say this morning that only our creator can truly define us. I'd love you to check out what God said to Jeremiah here in the Old Testament. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. He says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Have a think about that, God speaking. I start to meditate on that, I start to dwell on that, and I start to get goosebumps. I start to realise that this God who made the whole universe, he had me in mind before I was even born. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? Think about that this morning. Mark, before you were born, God knew you. It's amazing, isn't it? Amazing stuff. Before you were born, he set you apart. Dennis, he set you apart. It's plans for you. Tailor-made plans. That's amazing, isn't it? We need to think about this church. We need to dwell on this. We need to chew on this. This is what's going to truly define us. The stuff that's really going to set our life on the right foundation something firm, not temporal. It's not just about the things we do. It begins with what God says about us, who he says we are. And last week we saw it again, Ephesians 2 verse 10. We saw that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God's workmanship. Amazing, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He didn't just see him and go, oh, okay, well, yeah, you look like you might be right at that. We'll give, we'll give you a crack at that. It's like, no, he had things in advance for you to do. He planned them in advance, Keith. Isn't that great? Things he had planned in advance for you to do. Again, a great thought. Think about these things in your quiet time this week. Think about what God says about you. You see many people out there today, they say, I just need to find myself. I just need to find my own identity. And in doing that, most people are looking inside themselves, aren't they? It ends up being a bit of a selfish quest. We're looking inside to what we think and what we want. We're trying to define ourselves from within ourselves. Think about that. All that's going to happen is a bit of an ego trip, isn't it? You're going to be looking and reflecting your own glory. Whereas God designed you to reflect his glory. If you have a quick look around in the Bible, we can see, I guess, some good examples of 
what happens when we allow God to define us and who we are. And I would say that in Jesus or in God, we do not lose, but we find our true identity. Do you agree with me this morning? Yeah. I think that's, that's really the heart of the matter. In Jesus, we don't lose, but we find our true identity. And be wise for us to pursue that. A quick look through Genesis. I find a guy called Abram. He allowed God to define him and his destiny. God turns up to this guy, Abram. He's got no kids. And when he's 99 years old, and his wife is 90, God turns up and he says, I'm going to call you Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. I guess Abraham has a bit of a chuckle to start with. He goes, really? Take a look around. I'm 99. I've got no kids. What are you talking about? But he allows what God says about him to define him, not what he sees in the natural. I think that's key for us too. It's a key thought for us, church, to allow what God says about us to define us, not what we see around us sometimes. And you move on from there and you see Abraham has a son and that son becomes the father of Jacob who becomes the father of the nation of Israel. Amazing stuff. The heritage throughout the Bible. Move on to someone like Jacob. You look at his story and he was a guy who struggled with everyone around him. He struggled to gain his father's blessing. He struggled against his brother. He struggled with his uncle when he ran away. And he finally realises that the only true blessing in his life is going to come from God. And God changes his name too and allows, like Jacob allows God to define who he is going to be. And Jacob becomes the father of that great nation, Israel. And I think about a guy called Gideon. You find him in the book of Judges. And he's working, but he's kind of hiding in a wine press doing his job. And this angel turns up. He calls him a mighty warrior of God. And Gideon in a wine press, kind of hiding in a wine press, doing his job, thinking, I'm the least in my family. My family's the least in my clan. But he allows what God says to define him. And Gideon and an army of only 300 men put to flight an army of 120,000 Midianites and saved their nation from destruction. Allowing what God says to define us is key, isn't it? It's not what we see around us in the natural. It's what God's got to say about our life. And I put it to you this morning, the only place that you're going to find your true identity is in God and in his word. Okay, so what does my identity look like then? There's a few little snippets here I'd like us to look at this morning. And I think these are things we need to start with, to let them sink into our spirit. We need to chew on these things. We need to allow them to define us. Straight up front, I am loved. We all know John 3.16. God loves me. This has to be foundational in my life. Let that define me. It's not what other people think about me. 
It's not what other people say about me or have said about me. I am loved by God. I have value. I am redeemed and forgiven. Jesus has paid the price for me. That means I have such great value in his sight. I'm forgiven. If I've done some crazy things, God has forgiven me. That's, that's fantastic, isn't it? Just to be released, to be free of those things. I have life. I'm free from the law of sin and death. I am complete in Jesus. Everything that I need, I'll find in him. All wisdom, all provision will be found in Jesus. I have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.18. I can make sound decisions. I have God's wisdom at my disposal. The peace of God is mine. How valuable is that sometimes? When things are all pressing in around us, everything's chaos. The peace of God is mine. I can be still in him. I can be confident in my identity in Christ, no matter what's going on around me. It's been pretty handy for me for the past few weeks, I'll tell you. God's spirit lives in me. That's a great thought, isn't it? He equips me. He lives within me. Again, I can live out of that. And I'm his workmanship. We saw it last week. He's created me to do good works. He's equipped me to do those good works. So we need to get more of these things deep-rooted within us. We need, to, we need to let these things define us, church, don't we? These are the things that are going to truly define us and are going to set us on a firm foundation. The temporal things around us, they'll come and they'll go, they'll change, but God's word will not change and what he says about us will not change. So my identity is not what I do, but what Jesus has done for me. My identity is not performance-based. It doesn't change or become of less value when I don't measure up to someone else's standard. Jesus did what needed to be done for my approval before God. And out of that, as a follower of Jesus, now I can say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't need to perform to be accepted, but I can act out of gratitude and out of desire to please God and fulfill the plans he has for me, those Ephesians 2.10 plans, because I know that they're good ones. I know he's trustworthy. So can I encourage you again this morning? Where's your identity invested in when the chips are down? We had a bit of a birthday party at our place last weekend and all the kids were playing cards. And they've got all these poker chips lined up and the last hand of the night before everyone goes home, it's all in. All the chips are in. And it's funny to see, you know, some people really, they don't have much in their hand, but it's all invested in what's in their hand. That's a bit like you and me at the end of the day when we look at things in the light of eternity. What's in our hand? What are we trusting our identity to? What are we investing in? Because it's all in at the end of the day. 
So in the end, what are you pinning your eternity on? What are you pinning your identity on? Love to welcome the band back up again this morning. As we finish, let's not trust our job or our education, our appearance, particularly not our football team, no matter how valuable or successful these things look to us. Let's look to Jesus as the true source of our identity. John 15.5, Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to stick close to him, church. We need to allow what he says about us to define us and identify us. As we close this morning, let's just pray. We just thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are the bedrock of our identity. Thank you that before you formed each of us, you knew us. Thank you you loved us enough to rescue us from our sin. Thank you that our acceptance doesn't depend on our performance, or our past, or our bank balance, or our appearance, but in what Jesus has done for us and our acceptance of that. This morning, help us to remember this and allow your word to define us each day. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.